Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast. My guest today is Alessandro Medici of the Ermete Medici Winery in Emilia-Romagna. Welcome. Welcome. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. My pleasure. So you look like a very young man to be running a winery. How old are you? 23. And you are the which generation of your family? I'm the fifth generation of the family. So give me the generations one by one. Who founded the winery? The winery is founded by my grand-grand-grandfather, Remigio, that has been the first generation. So roughly when was that? Which year? In uh, 1890. Okay, so how did he start? Did he make his own wine and bottle it and sell it in the local wine shop? No, absolutely not. In fact, our history is uh, quite uh, unusual because our history starts... started in uh, 1890, how I told you previously, and uh, my grand-grand-grandfather, Remigio, um, had four osteria in uh, English restaurants. Or well, hostel, yeah. Like a, exactly. Yeah. A hostel meaning like a place where you could eat and have something to drink. Exactly, exactly. And the position of this osteria was uh, quite uh, particular because it uh, was on the Via Emilia. Via Emilia is the most important and most historical street of our region because we are from Reggio Emilia, and Reggio Emilia is in the air of a Emilia-Romagna reason, a really famous reason for food and also wine, of course. And uh, Via Emilia, that is Street Emilia, is one of the most important streets because at that time, in 1890, but also today, many traders passed from that street and many traders stopped to our osteria to drink and to eat something. So our four osteria were very popular at that time. So Remigio, the first generation of the family, decided to start a small production of Lambrusco in our area just to supply his uh, restaurants. Did he buy land? Did he have his own vineyard? Was he buying grapes? No. For the first production, he bought a small land just for the first production. Okay? But it was, I think, two or three hectares no more because uh, the production was really, really small just to supply the, the Osteria. And my grand-grandfather, Hermete, the man who is dedicated the the company, started to enlarge the business. So, And he started to produce more quantity of Lambrusco. But at that time, how you um, right asked me, the wineries in our area didn't produce Lambrusco, just bought the, the grapes or the wines from small farmers or just from cooperatives. So uh, he started to, to bottle a good quantity of Lambrusco, not uh, just to supply our osteria, but also to sell our wines um, to other restaurants, for example. And my grandfather, Giorgio, in 1960 started to export our Lambrusco outside of Italy. And we can say that Lambrusco, together with Chianti, has been one of the first, maybe the first, wine to be exported outside of Italy. And at that time, in I'm speaking about 1970, 1980, was, Lambrusco was, was really popular, above all in the States. And in fact, if you see a wine list from, for example, a restaurants of New York, in 1975, you can see a Champagne, Bordeaux, Burgundy, Chianti and also Lambrusco because it was very cool and it was an alternative to the champagne because of course it's not Lambrusco is not a champagne but it's a sparkling wine m- more fresh m- more 
simple and so it was an alternative at the time it was very cool in fact I always tell a story that in a biography of James Bond in 1973 it's said to order a champagne James Bond ordered a Lambrusco that today is quite unbelievable to think that but at that time Lambrusco was really popular were there a lot of Italians in New York as well that were also drinking Lambrusco yes yeah yes so that was so that was a, a pretty good market I yes guess. absolutely absolutely one times but also today is a great market but to arrive today we made a lot of work because it's important to say that in 1985 there were two big companies from our area that decided to prefer the quantity to the quality of the production of Lambrusco and one of these two big company arrived to import it in the States 11 million cases in one year of Lambrusco that number is crazy but the problem is that the product the wine was bad quality was really sweet the yields in the in the vineyards were really really high and so the product was of course a bad quality you know the name the Italian cola is exactly from that period and my father entered in the company in, in 1988 what's your father called Alberto Alberto is the name of my so father he's fourth generation fourth generation exactly the problem what is that now I entered in the company and the company is great because the business is good but in the 1988 when my father entered in the company the situation was really bad because the image of Lambrusco was absolutely destroyed and wineries from our area produced really bad Lambrusco because the wineries hadn't the vineyards so they just bought grapes or wines and my fathers decided to change this thing so my father decided to buy a land in our area in Reggio Emilia that is called Tenuta La Rampata where you where you've been uh, I think five months ago Okay, so your father was, you're talking about your father who, yes, uh, Alberto, yeah? Alberto. So your father started estate bottling, so he wanted full control. Exactly. A little bit like his great-grandfather did, which is, you know where the grapes are coming from, you're bottling it, and then you're selling it yourself. Absolutely. And your great-grandfather, his great-grandfather's case, directly to somebody who comes into the Osteria. Exactly. And in your father Alberto's case, to a restaurant or a, an importer. Exactly, exactly. That's the point. And in fact, in 1993, Concerto, our top Lambrusco, our, um, let me say, flagship wine was born from how I said previously from uh, own vineyards and Concerto has been that is the name of Lambrusco Concerto has been the first dry Lambrusco to be produced from vineyards of our winery but in general has been the first dry Lambrusco to be produced in Emilia area so just to be clear yes when we're talking about we're talking about sparkling wine yes, yes. now most people think that sparkling wine is either sometimes rosé yes but it's mainly white it's mainly a clear yes. wine is lambrusco like that we're talking about red wine a fizzy red wine a, f- a frizzy red wine that that's the point and that's quite uh, unusual of course how you said because yes when people think about sparkling wine of course white and today maybe some people think also about a rosé but lambrusco is a completely different wine because it's red it's sparkling is um, in general is produced by Charma method, but also with the uh, traditional method and also with the ancestral method. So Lambrusco is a, a word, okay? And the difference from a normal sparkling and Lambrusco, of course, is the color. Yes, that's right. But also the bubbles is uh, more thin than, for example, a champagne, where the, bu- the bubble is more aggressive, but in a good way, of course, but is a difference. And the quality of Lambrusco is that it has three particular characteristics. One is the acidity. One is the level of sugars, and this one is in common with all 
called the sparkling wines. But the third thing is the level of tannins that is quite unusual for a sparkling wine. In fact, our Lambrusco the Concerto has a good level of acidity, has a good level of sugars because it's important in a Lambrusco have a good level of sugars that of course have not to be so high if not is not a, a good drink drinkable Lambrusco but it's important having a, a, a nice level of sugars and also a level of tannin that is typical from the the grape of Lambrusco you know Lambrusco is a great world of grapes inside because from the area where we are we are in Reggio Emilia for example we have a particular Lambrusco if you drink a Lambrusco from Modena that is really close to Reggio Emilia you have other different Lambrusco. So what are the main Lambrusco variety you're working with? Because as you say, there's more than more than just, well, it's not like Chardonnay, where there's Chardonnay and Chardonnay, that's it. Chardonnay yes. or Sauvignon Blanc or Cabernet Sauvignon Merlot. Yeah. Lambrusco, we're talking about a family of vines rather than exactly. one particular one. So which are the varieties that you work with mainly? Okay, it's, Lambr- it's called Lambrusco Salamino. Salamino because uh, the size of the grape remember a uh, small salame. Okay, the bunch The bunch looks like a, uh, exactly. like a, a salami sausage. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, there are many types of varieties of Lambrusco. For example, Lambrusco di Sorbara, Lambrusco Grasparossa. And uh, to make it clear, uh, Lambrusco is produced in three cities, big city. One is Modena, one is, uh, is Reggio Emilia, one is Parma. In Parma, we have Lambrusco that have a high level of sugars and a low level of acidity. So really sweet tasting Really wine. sweet tasting wines. In Modena, we have Lambrusco that uh, have uh, a nice, a great acidity and a low level of sugars. In Reggio Emilia, with Salamino variety, we have Lambrusco that are absolutely more balanced. That's not, a, it's not a best, it's not a best, a best Lambrusco, but it's just a characteristic because we have a nice acidity and nice level of sugars and also an important level of tannins that make the wine more balanced, of course. Do you think that makes it more of a food wine? Yes, it's absolutely a gastronomic wine. So what would you eat with a Salamino? Okay, with Salamino you can eat... Salamino? Mm, of course. You can eat a Salame, sure, that's the, the perfect combination. The jokes just keep on coming on this podcast. <laughs> yes, but I, I, I appreciated that because it's a perfect combination. In general, charcuteries are unbelievable match with Lambrusco Salamino. But also, for example, pasta fresca, for example, uh, pumpkin tortelli, for me, it's an unbelievable combination because it's, uh, of course, a fed dish because you have the butter, you have the, um, the eggs in the pasta, but pumpkin is, uh, it's also sweet. And recall, for example, the sweetness part of the Lambrusco Salamino and the acidity of the wine can cut the, 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 fat, the fat of the dish. So I think it could be a nice combination, but also, with fish, with fat fish, for example, uh, eels, you know, eel, eel exactly, uh, grilled eel, that is, a, that is a fat fish, you know. And Lambrusco Salamino, we make many experiments, it could be a, a great uh, combination, yes. Yeah, it's funny, an eel looks a bit like a Salamino as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, that's the, the food side. What about, I mean, how difficult is it for you to get past people's perception that Lambrusco is always sweet Yes. and it's always cheap? Yes. Or low budget or low price or whatever you want to call it. It, it, It's a wine that virtually should sell for nothing. And it will taste really, really sweet and almost sickly. Yes. My father passed his entire life to try to fight this bad image of Lambrusco. Yes, it's been really difficult to to start and to try to change the perspective of this wine. And uh, also today, we have many people that can recognize a good Lambrusco, but also at the same time, many people that can understand that Lambrusco can be also dry and not just sweet. 
So, of course, this is the goal of my life because I'm here for that. But we made a lot of work. At the moment, we are in 70 countries in the world. But in countries, for example, uh, United States or uh, Canada or uh, UK, we had to do a lot, a lot of work. And my father had to be had to go to these uh, to these uh, countries for a lot of years, and uh, has been uh, really, really hard. You have to think that we started to export dry lambrusco in 1994, and just in and only in 2010-11 we saw the first results because now that is 2017 we can see our wines in important wine list but it's just in the last seven eight years that we saw the first results and that is quite crazy because we have been one of the first winery in Italy to export our wines outside of the Italy but you know that there are many wineries that are more famous than us and that is because Lambrusco had a really bad image. So we didn't start from zero. We started from minus 10. So we had to arrive to zero and then we have to to create the image of our company. But we export our wines outside of Italy with great importer like unbelievable brands, Antinori Allegrini. But Antinori Allegrini now are, you know, one of the famous wineries. Medicare Meta, yes, there are some people, sommelier or uh, people that are in the wine business that maybe know something about Medici and know that Medici is maybe one of the most important winery in Emilia Romagna. But not every people that is in the wine business know Medici. That's because Lambrusco had a really, really bad image, was the Italian cola. And now maybe the the times are changing and uh, of course the, we have to do a lot of work yet but uh, many things uh, have been uh, made so we are happy at the moment at the moment we live in a culture where um, social media is becoming more and more important and everybody's talking about millennials yeah do you think lambrusco in general and medici ermete lambrusco in particular can make something of the sort of obsession we have with social media and the influence of sommeliers particularly in america yes absolutely but also in italy i was in milan uh, three days ago and I've been in a wine bar very famous. Two weeks ago, we introduced a new wine that is called Fermento, that is an ancestral method, has a, a nice packaging, has a nice label. And is it a bit cloudy in the bottle? Exactly. A, a little bit of, is it a, a red Lambrusco? Yeah? Uh, yes, it's a red Lambrusco. It's uh, uh, not so red because it's a Sorbara, so it's a sort of rosé wine because Sorbara is one of the varieties of Lambrusco and the color is not so red like La Salamino. And it's, um, it's a millennial wine. I were in, in this wine bar and many guys also of my age, saw the bottle, saw the color, and everybody asked me, what is that product? What is that wine? I want to taste. They tasted the wine and everybody said, wow, I never tasted something like that because Lambrusco is absolutely different from the other wines. And I am absolutely sure that people that don't know the history of Lambrusco and just state for the first time our Lambrusco have to impress, of course. But do you think there's a danger that with this trend for obviously light, sort of lighter sparkling wine like Prosecco and then the rosé version, which has also become very fashionable, is there a danger that all those wonderful red Lambrusco wines will then morph into sort of pink rosé wines and will lose something, will gain something by yes. by selling more, quotes, Lambrusco but will lose the real traditional style, which is the red style, isn't it? Yes. I can answer to your question because well then you, you have to leave <laughs> it's it's a it's a quite difficult to answer to your question i think that lambrusco is another thing when you drink lambrusco you have to think that it's another wine okay and it's what we we have to say like medicher meta and like lambrusco producer to every customer lambrusco is different wine we don't have 
competitors. Okay, well, that's a good thing. Okay, in reality, we have a lot of competitors, but for our mind, we we haven't competitors. It's not a prosecco. It's not a champagne. It's not a Franciacorta. It's not a Trento dog. It's different wine. It's a word. Okay, and we have to export and also to sell in Italy. But we have to to tell to the people that Lambrusco is another thing. Okay, so we have we haven't looked trends of uh, sparkling wine. We haven't looked anything. Today I was in a meeting about Japan. Okay, for the sparkling wines, Japan is uh, the the fifth market in uh, in Asia. I think for us it's completely different. We produce Lambrusco, and for us it's our first market in the world, not in the Asia, in the world, because we produce Lambrusco. We don't produce Prosecco or Champagne. For us it's completely different. So it's another world. It's another wine. Altogether, how large is the estate? How many vineyards do you have? How many hectares do you have? Today we have 75 hectares. So is that big or small? We are considered quite big for Lambrusco. For Lambrusco, for no, for, okay. For Lambrusco, we are uh, medium size. In general, for Italian wine, we are considered quite big. For Lambrusco, we are not considered so big because we have important groups. For example, big cooperatives that produce a lot, a lot of Lambrusco. Uh, today we produce 800,000 bottles. So for a Lambrusco producer is, uh, let me say, a medium size, and uh, for 75 hectares. But the important thing is that we produce a lot of wines. So every wines that we produce is not a big production. It's a small production, but we produce a lot of different type of Lambrusco. So a lot of styles of Lambrusco, a each lot of with, with different brands. Exactly. But exactly. coherent coherent um, ladder of quality throughout your range, yeah? So you have uh, you have 75 hectares of vineyards. Yeah. And you, how many brands do you have all together in terms of... Okay, it, it's quite difficult. I, I think more or less 15 wines, okay. 15, 16 wines. So you're saying that you've got 75 hectares and roughly 15 labels that you... Yes, 15 labels. Exactly. Okay, so that makes... that's So you're basically trying to make smaller lots yes. of individual wines exactly. so that people can see the differences exactly. between the different grape varieties and maybe the different terroirs. Because you have vineyards in... Is it four areas you have? Ter- four areas, exactly. Exactly. What a memory. Yes. We have four estates. One is the biggest one that is called La Rampata, where we produce, for example, Lambrusco Concerto, Lambrusco Assolo, that are our top Lambrusco. And also we have uh, another estate that is called Quercioli, where from the Quercioli line, where we have five types of Lambrusco. But every our wines is a crew. It's not a blend of vineyards. It's a crew. And also we have Lambrusco that are blend and maybe not a, just a single vineyard, but it's a blend from a single area. Okay, so we can speak about a crew of Lambrusco. So all of your wines, whichever bottle you buy, will come from a one place, so one village or one vineyard site. It exactly. won't be. I mean, how far away are your vineyards? Is it 15 kilometers between yes. them? 20? Yes, 15 kilometers in total. Absolutely. Tell me a little Monty, bit about... Um, you know very well our... No, I don't. I've just, I've just pulled that figure out of the end. So tell me a little bit about... Um, you're doing a bit of work with organics on one of your vineyards. Yes. So why, why are you doing that and how difficult is it? It's uh, really, really difficult to organize 75 hectares of vineyards in an organic way. We decided two years ago to make the, the, the important passage between the normal agriculture, the conventional agriculture, to organic agriculture. This has been uh, an important choice. I wasn't completely agree because I preferred make uh, organic agriculture just in one state to try if this choice was good or not. But my grandfather decided to make uh, organic agriculture in all 75 hectares of our production. That's very unusual. Normally it's the grandfather that absolutely does not want to hear anything about organics. That's true. That's and it's true. either the son or the grandson, which would be you in your yeah. case, who said, no, come on, we can't keep on carrying on doing um, the conventional way we have to do organic. So so why was he so into the organic thing? The important thing to say is that the agriculture that we made 
until two years ago, it was not so different from the organic agriculture. That's the, the first important thing. For me, that I'm the young guy that is entered now, maybe people can think, okay, this guy is 23, entering the company, he wants to destroy the world, make everything inorganic. That's not the, the, the good point. So this is to answer to your question before that is quite unusual, that is grandfather and not the grandson to make this choice. But I, I lived in Piedmont for three years for the, for the university and I saw also big producers, for example, uh, Ceretto, that uh, is making organic wine that is called Blanger that is really famous and popular there in Italy and also outside of Italy. And the production is about 700,000 bottles of Blanger, all in organic. It's a Arnaise, isn't it? The Arnaise, exactly, the variety. An important Arnaise Blanger because I think that it has been the pioneer of Arnaise in the world. And I saw and I touched with my hands the difficulties to have a biological agriculture for a, a so uh, important extension of vineyards. And so it's really, really difficult to organize 75 hectares. It's possible, but of course it depends from the climatic conditions, yes. Because, uh, you know, we are in Emilia, we have a lot of years, for example, Peronospera, and uh, for the humidity, and it's not easy to organize 75 hectares for many reasons in our area. It's a bet. But isn't the thing about Chiretto the fact that they were very well organized in terms of people and also machinery? Because if you're going to stop using, say, herbicides or weed killers. You need to have the right machinery. Have you had to face a big adjustment in the machinery that you're using in your vineyards? The machine that we bought for organic are quite similar to Ceretto machine. Uh, the important thing I saw in these two years is to buy machine really light. Our to, to avoid compacting the soil. Exactly. Because uh, before of uh, these two years, we used a really heavy machine. Our agronomist told to us, if you want to do organic, you have to change the, the, the machine. That's really important. I saw a good organi- organization in Charlotte Winery. Okay, it's not my winery. So I just saw the organization. It's not easy to organize a so big area. I, I'm speaking about 700,000 bottles. So it's an important organic agriculture. And it's quite similar to our area. Of course, we are not in the land and our uh, vineyards are uh, flat and not... Uh, yeah, it makes life a bit easier. Yes, maybe it's, it's easier, yes. But the, the climate conditions are quite strange, above all in the last two years. And so, yes, it's a bet. I really hope that it could be uh, good. Okay, I just want to say thanks to my guest today, Alessandro Medici, from the Medici Ermete Winery in Emilia-Romagna. Thank you, Monti. Uh, you've, in a way, you've been a very lucky guy to inherit um, the work that your father, grandfather, and great-grandfather have, have done. In a way, that also puts a lot more pressure on your shoulders to keep <laughs> yeah, things yeah, going. Yeah. So if everything turns disastrous, particularly with your organics, <laughs> do come back on the Italian okay. Wine Podcast. <laughs> and we can do Monty. like a, a chat about how, to, how not to destroy the family winery. But I, I have every confidence... I was in your vineyards recently and I've been there a couple of times and um, as I said to you when I came, what I liked about your approach is you do it step by step and that's so important for a family winery like yours with such tradition and responsibility and I think you're on the right track and um, I'm so comforted, I love Lambrusco and to see a winery of your stature being successful after all that year of struggle, all those years of struggle and also now to look at the organic route is is really, for me, I I just feel so happy about what you're doing, I really (laughs) do, honestly, you know that, I mean you've seen that. 
Um, I'm really thrilled about what you're doing. Uh, honestly, it's a region that is so undervalued. Yeah. Um, it's wine, I mean, it's food, you know, Parma ham and Parmigian, all that is so famous. And the, and the racing cars, world global leaders. And Lambrusco for me is like a global brand. It's, it's such a wine that I grew up with that when I was in my first wine shop. Italia 90 was on the football and it was Lambrusco and it yes. just disappeared yes. in the UK, which is where I, I'm, I'm from. So I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to see you and hear about your family story and uh, wish you every success with the organics. Thank you. Thank you. Nice one. Thanks a lot, mate. Thank you. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.